everyone, and welcome to Spooky Town. We are an online horror publication and podcast reviewing movies, books, video games, and all things horror. Um, and we're brand spanking new, so be be gentle. Um, I am Ashley Welling, um, the co-host and co-founder of Spooky Town, and with me is my sister. Hi, everyone. My name is <laughs> Stephanie Welling. We're a little nervous. This is our first ever podcast, and um, yeah, so we uh, we're, we're getting there though. We have an outline and everything. We're uh, very prepared. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for for being here with us, Stephanie. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just fine, Ashley. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Let's act like we haven't been. Um, Talking, talking for the past each hour other and a half for the last hour and a half trying to get ready for our first ever podcast um no but we're really excited to be here we've been wanting to start a podcast for a long time um we're huge since january nerds. of 2019 to <laughs> yeah. be exact 2020 it hasn't been two years but yeah we we've been talking about starting a podcast oh. starting <laughs> the this beginning year has of been this a year. nightmare <laughs> yeah so for all you um, historians that are listening to this 50 years down the line, um, when you're trying to figure out where Ashley and Stephanie got their start all those years ago, uh, this is December 2020. So it's the end of the worst year um, ever. So it seems like an appropriate time to start a horror podcast talking about all things um, awful and amazing. But we've been talking about this since January um of 2019 no of 2020 i don't know what what day it is (laughs) it's hard to tell um we've been inside for a very long time but stephanie and i are about as far away as we can get from each other in the united states um i live on the west coast and she lives on the east coast but um our shared love of horror and uh our spooky town adventures have kept us uh, pretty connected and we're having fun with it. So um, that said, let's just jump right into the intro because you guys don't know us at all. So let's start talking about it. Um, first question on the list here, because we're very prepared is Stephanie, where did your love of horror come from? Well, Ashley, uh, <laughs> I believe my love of horror it, I think it more started because I we just grew up watching horror because our mom is very into it. Our dad is not into it at all, really, <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we'll tolerate it. Uh, but it was more just on. And uh, I found it interesting that we were, of course, not allowed to watch sex scenes in movies, but we were allowed to watch The Shining and Poltergeist. Uh <laughs> So that's something that definitely stuck with me. And the exorcist. Yeah. I was nine years old. That was, sorry, (laughs) this is your time. But yes, no, that is very funny. I do have a specific memory of watching The Sixth Sense with Ashley, but we were sort of hiding a little bit in the hallway uh, because we weren't allowed to watch it. Yeah. And our parents were, and we were very curious. Do you remember that... (sighs) What was her name? She was in the OC and she was in that. She was like a, a little girl in that movie. Oh, Misha Barton. Yes, thank you. Misha Barton yeah. was in that. That was the scariest scene 
from the whole it like was. I remember being terrified when she came out. Yeah. It's yeah. still scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. That is a good movie. Um, it was a really good movie. Uh anything pre the happening was pretty good in the <laughs> yeah. career. From the happening, it was kind of like sorry Onward. for all that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for all the M. Night Shyamalan fans out there, but it was all of his one fan that's happening. Yeah. A movie about fan. about plants. <laughs> with, our, look, uh, our look, that guy's gonna be listening to this very first podcast episode and he's gonna be like I don't know what he's gonna say. I don't I can't predict what I can't predict what someone with that taste is gonna say, but um none of us can. It was not good. <laughs> very much not listen, good. Listen, murder trees. That's that's it. Murder trees, murder but murder bushes. Um, Zoe Deschanel and uh, the obvious pairing, Mark Wahlberg. I who wouldn't <laughs> put Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel together? Really, <laughs> that's the immediate thing I think of when I True. think of Zoe Deschanel. True. Yes. Um, great. But anyway, yeah, so that's, yeah. That's you know that's where my love of horror came from. It was. <laughs> I think it was first because it was first and foremost on, but then it also developed from there where whenever we would watch a, a movie that wasn't horror, I would be annoyed. I'm like, what's the point? And then we would watch a movie that was more in the thriller genre or it, it marketed itself as horror, mm -hmm. but then it ended up being just a fun little crime thriller. Uh, that made me angry <laughs> because yes. I wanted it to be horror. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When you're like, when you're expecting it to be spooky, but then it turns out to just be, yeah. Like a just a person killer. committing no crimes. Yeah. I, no, I'm good. Yep. So Ashley, where did your love? Of horror? <laughs> I'm glad you asked Stephanie. Cause I definitely prepared an answer for this ahead of time and I'm not winging it at all. Um, my, but, you know, I, I mean, we grew up in the same house. So our, I think my love of horror came from a similar place. Our mom, Miss um, Stephanie, mentioned was very into it. Um, so it was on. It was on a lot. And I also, you know, Halloween has always been one of my absolute favorite holidays. And just like the concept of getting to get dressed up as something else and you know like um kind of transport yourself in, in a certain kind of way was always really a lot of fun for me and horror and horror movies do that for me too they're very like I'm very transported when I watch them I'm very um you know they're they're tense they're exciting there's a lot of interesting um imagery in them uh they play with like creating really interesting and engaging like visual effects that are always, you know, fascinating. And I think they take, they take your fears and your emotions and they turn them into something that's like, and that's embodied somehow. And that's always really exciting because you can kind of see your, um, you know, the main characters, the protagonists often see the thing that embodies, you know, their greatest fears, like right there in front of them. And I always really like that about horror movies. So I think for how psychological they are and how like how much they transport their audiences to a different world, I think that 
um, since the time I was little, that was always really exciting for me. And so yeah. as I got older, they became less like, honestly, that of course they do, they still do scare me sometimes, but they scare me less. They're more of just like a really engaging, interesting, like artistic experience now <laughs> as, as cheesy as that sounds like that's kind of what they've become. So I think the fear yeah. is gone, but I, I agree. I think it, like I've said before, uh, there are very few when, when I was younger, well, for one thing, I was more easily scared, but also I thought that that was what made a horror movie good. Yeah. Was, does it scare me now? You know, a little, little later in life, mm -hmm. um, almost no, like I, there are very few horror movies that actually scare me. And I've come to realize that's not what I love about it. It's not, does it scare me? It's, does it deal with this this like deep tension within either myself or within society within humanity and does it like rip it out of us and put it out there for the whole world to see does it tear it apart does it examine it does it do anything with it mm -hmm. is there a catharsis because i think that's what horror does best is it takes the deepest darkest secrets that we have that we would rather not talk about or put it a name to or put it a make it into a recognizable shape. Yeah. And if it says here, you need to talk about this. There's no yeah. hiding from it. So I think as as a kid, it was more because it was, like I said, on and then also it was scary. As an adult, it's a cathartic experience that I think we don't always get to have in you know civilized life yeah um that's something that's even more needed now during these horrific times where uh we need catharsis we need something to let all this tension go yeah and i think horror is even more important during times like that oh so. absolutely yeah i absolutely agree and i think um just kind of building off what you said i think that um horror feels like a safe safer way to confront maybe past traumas or things that um it's 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 a way for like it it gives you a little bit more control over how you react to something or maybe it helps you like we're talking about it helps you kind of pull it out and deal with it as you're kind of staring it down face to face you know mm -hmm. um in a way that's more controlled that makes any sense it's yeah it, it's incredibly it's a, emotional you know is what i'm saying like it's a sorry it's go a, ahead it's a safe space to yeah. deal with a very potentially unsafe situation or feeling mm -hmm. or memory uh it's you're you're not in danger you're not in any physical harm um it's you're not going to be hurt you're not going to be killed so you you know that yeah it's just the best, is what we're saying. <laughs> it is, in fact, the best genre and the only one I care about. So, right? which is <laughs> why really we decided to dedicate our whole website and podcast to it. Um, and we're yeah, very this is excited not about it. The drama town, you know, the genre that. Right. Yeah. No. If <laughs> that you, is if often, <laughs> often you were looking for drama town. This isn't. This wasn't it. You're. 
you're gonna have to go elsewhere that's for sure uh, drama is often the the genre that is ascribed to critically acclaimed horror movies like Get Out. It's a social drama. Uh, yeah. Like it's a horror movie. Horror movie is a social drama. That's what I it know. is. Or it's a social commentary. That's mm-hmm. the purpose of horror, kids. Yeah. It's social mm-hmm. commentary. Yep. But anyway, we're gonna, cha- we're gonna have- change things. We're gonna change things on this podcast. We're gonna get People are going to listen and they're going to get it. And and horror movies will start getting Academy Awards as they deserve. And <laughs> uh, please, please give uh, retroactive Academy Awards to Lin Shay and Tony Collette. Thank you. Dude, Tony Collette. Okay, we're going to get into I it in a second. My case. So, so we've, yeah, we've got we've got some intro questions that Stephanie has has written out, which is perfect because i did i did not i did not do that but i did make some notes um what we're going to talk about after we get through the um our little intro section is we're going to go into some holiday horror movies that we love um and that's coming up next so i'll save my i'll save my comments about how much i love tony collette and lynn shea for like 10 minutes from now so (laughs) i will do my best to not talk about how much how uh quickly i would die for lynche or kill for lynche i'll do my best but i can't promise anything she's a queen um okay so what what are your what is or are a few of your favorite horror movies stephanie so (laughs) sorry that sounded really mean but (laughs) i didn't mean it that way stephanie well ashley uh (laughs) the the one that i am best known for amongst uh, my friends and family is The Shining. I love yeah. The Shining so very much. I watch it constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I watch it every year on my birthday, um, and that's usually once in the like five rewatches of that any given calendar year. Um, but then an- another very recent favorite horror movie is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, nineteen seventy four. I never thought that I would like it. I believed the reviews that I read saying that it was misogynistic. And boy, am I happy that I watched it anyway, because that's going to be a later episode, but it's not misogynistic. So let's just, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, more recent favorites, uh, Relic from 2020. Absolutely love that movie. Uh, they look like people which is from 2015 and the Blair Witch Project from 1999, not the remake. Thank you. The Blair Witch Project is another, I I listened to people who saw it and said it was not great. Uh, And I, I laughed along with all of the parodies of it. And then I actually watched it as an adult and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So what are your favorite movies, Ashley? I need to read. That's one I need to rewatch. That's like a, a cornerstone film that I need to. It's very good. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched. I haven't watched the original in, in years now, like maybe five years. So I had I watched to... it before. Like it, it hadn't been all that long since I had last seen it. But I, I watched it again a couple years ago. And it just. I'm like, how did I ever not love this? This is everything that I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I also, I absolutely love found footage. So yeah. 
we'll we'll also get into that later. But what what are some of your favorite movies? Well, one of my most favoritist <laughs> movies is um Hereditary. Um I love that movie. I think that I Tony Collette is so amazing in it number 1. Um but I am very drawn to kind of like Stephanie. Um and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I'm drawn to um movies that explore tension between whoever it might be like family members or people that are very close like um horror that kind of uh plays with the the tension of um like kind of has some tension that has like complexity to it <laughs> and hereditary does that in a really really good way to the point where um it kind of felt like I wanted to throw up in the theater when I was watching it for the first time because I felt like it it never never really lets up the tension is just always there and it's thicker and thicker as the movie goes on and it's just like and it, it never just, breaks it never breaks and tony like the Collette, credits just roll and oh that's God. it <laughs> yeah i just got chills on my head a little bit just thinking about like how you know even the ending it's just like even the climax of the movie doesn't really um doesn't really give you any kind of relief um so hereditary is is one of my absolute favorite um horror movies and for another one i it's not often that i love body horror movies um they used to really really bother me but i think that was because what i was watching was more like eli roth body horror where it's like torture and and True. things like that that are just a little bit um oh, it's just not my thing <laughs> Don't Let's, come for me. It's just not my thing. <laughs> uh, you can absolutely come for me. I hate Eli Roth. I will not be yes. taking criticism. He is the worst. <laughs> At this time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> End of podcast. Um, I, <laughs> no, I, but I love Hellraiser. Possibly the most body horror movie of all time. Not, it's not of all time, but it's, it's very, it's very intense for, um, I'm sure if you're a horror fan, you know of it or have seen it, but it's, um, it's basically, it's almost all has something to do with like violence against like the human body. Um, but I just love it. I love the villains. I think they're amazing. I think the costuming is fantastic. Um, the atmosphere in it is awesome. They've got, um, the creature effects I loved um, in both Hellraiser 1 and 2. That said, I have not seen like all 18 of them. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Hellraisers and I haven't seen all of them. And I did hear, though, that there's a new one coming out in 2021. Um, I'll have to look that up. Don't quote me on that. But um, there is a new I'm one. i going there to quote you on that. <laughs> there's a new one in the works and I'm so excited because I... I'm excited, but I hope they do. I hope they do a good job um, with the, you know, all the effects that they have now at their disposal, kind of translating it, and they don't just 
kind of go over the top for going over the top sake. But I love Hellraiser. I think it's fantastic. So much so that Stephanie got me a, um, a trinket from the film, the trinket, the one that summons them from um, the world that they live in. And it, uh, I like audibly squealed when I opened it and saw what it was. I was so excited. So um, and I have that now just like sitting on proud display. It's the lament configuration. Thank you. See, I say, I don't even know. I don't even know what its name it's is. A puzzle but it's box. fantastic. Yeah, it's a puzzle box. Um, and I love it. So Hellraiser um, is just, is just the best. I love that movie. And there's a million, there's a million others. Those are just kind of the first two that come to my mind. Um, I also love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, we're really excited for the 20, I think it's still coming out in 2021. A lot of stuff's been pushed back obviously because of COVID, but um, David Blue Garcia is directing that one. Um, the latest remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's supposed to be more of a um, direct um What's the word I'm looking for? A direct like reboot or of yeah, the original I, I think reboot. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that because the original is very good. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So Stephanie, what subgenres or common themes are you most drawn to? So as far as subgenres go, uh, I mean this is a very broad, but I do love some paranormal supernatural horror. Oh yeah. Um, Classic. uh, I didn't, I've always had sort of a complicated relationship with sci-fi horror, space horror type thing. um, Because I found the often heavy use of body horror a bit too disturbing. Mm -hmm. for whatever reason that's sort of dissipated as an adult, sometimes it's a little bit much, but I do love sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Uh alien, aliens, everything like that. Alien versus Predator, once again, you can come for me. That movie is amazing. Paul W.S. <laughs> Anderson, if you are listening, I have so much respect for you. Uh I thought, you said, I thought you said Wes Anderson for a second. I was like, what, he directed Anderson? <laughs> Alien versus Predator. That would uh, be an interesting um, <laughs> remake. I don't know if I would watch it or throw it into the ocean. It's just the but... alien sta- staring directly into the camera. And then it just <laughs> like pans over to the Predator. Like, I'm going to kill you now. Sir okay. Ronan is somehow in it. Yeah. <laughs> And a French song starts playing in the background <laughs> suddenly. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was funny. Okay, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Um, so outside of that, uh, like I said earlier, found footage. I am very easy for found footage. I will watch <laughs> basically any found footage that you throw at me. I give it more chances than perhaps oh. I should. And you can come for us too, but Grave Encounters is fantastic. Grave Encounters 1 and 2 are modern classics. They're so good and they don't get enough credit, like, at all. They do not. I absolutely love those movies. Um, They're so good. I, yes. I, I'm sorry. They're extraordinary pieces of art. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. But, again, outside of that, um, really anything, the sort of themes 
uh, anything having to do with familial tension, like hereditary, uh, is just right up there, in, up in my alley. And also anything having to do with impossible spaces. And you know what's a great recap of both of these themes is Relic. Relic is a fantastic representation. Also The Shining. The Shining mm-hmm. is the movie, at least, is, is chock full of impossible spaces. And Relic, I mean, I'm going to keep it spoiler free, but there are some impossible fucking spaces in yeah. that movie. No, and, I, uh, yeah, the, the scene um, in Relic, I won't, we won't, I mean, we're going to probably spoil movies on this, you guys. So, like, if you hear us talking about a movie, we might spoil something, but I'll try not to spoil Relic because it's so new. But, um, there, that scene in that movie with the impossible space that you're talking about is, is like, that was top notch. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. And I'm like, this is my shit. I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> if I had any doubt in my mind, and I, I don't think I did. But if I if I had any doubt, uh, that would have taken it all away. Yeah. I was, it, that's just, <clears throat> that has Stephanie written all over it. <laughs> What about you, Ashley? Relic was good. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, I don't know if I've got... I definitely am very into, obviously, like you said, kind of the broad strokes paranormal type stuff. Um, I love... Obviously, I share Stephanie's love of what familial tension you know i love um i love horror movies that take a look at like human relationships and like interpersonal relationships and tear them apart in that way um but to be honest i kind of i don't know if i've got any like big favorite subgenres other than kind of what we've been talking about i'm not into um I'm not into violence just like for the sake of shock. Like I'm not into kind of the more shock type horror, you know, like stuff that's just shocking to be shocking. Um, Sometimes it can be fun if it's done the right way, but I'm not always really into it. It's not as exciting or um, there's not as much to kind of pick apart and figure out all the time. When it's shocking for the sake of being shocking and there's no accompanying comedy to it, it takes itself too seriously yeah. It's when it's not fun. Yeah. It, it, when it's fun, it's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like the Evil yes. Dead is full of it. Mm-hmm. It's especially the new one is full of shocking amounts of blood. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, right. but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And that that's when it's it's that's when it's wild. funny. Yeah. And I I like very like psychological um films that deal with a lot of like psychological subject matter. Um, without being super exploitative, you know, like stuff that's more um, exploring why someone, you know, feels the way they do about something or why they have this fear or why they're, why they're feeling this tension or why they're scared. Um, I love stuff like that. I, I'm a huge, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist for the longest time. And I just love, you know, things like that. And I love how, horror movies that are well done deal with things like that. So, um, I love psychological paranormal, um, 
And I don't know if this is a subgenre. And I thought I was really into it until um, I'll, I'll just say what the subgenre is. I like things that feel kind of druggy. <laughs> I don't know if sure. that's a subgenre, yeah. but I like things that feel like um, you kind of almost feel really foggy when you're watching them. I think that that's, if that makes any sense, and I'll give some examples like Mandy, I really liked. Um, I really Mandy liked that excellent. movie. Mandy's so good. Um, really, really good movie. Um, I love that one. I watch, but I did watch um, Gaspar No. He's a French filmmaker, um, and he's I guess he's known for this style. I wasn't really familiar with him before I watched this movie, but the movie Climax, um, which has made it onto some like horror movie lists, so I'd seen it around, and I was like, I'm gonna watch it. You want to talk about druggy, but that is, I mean, they're actually, the whole cast is supposed to be on um, drugs, but to the point where they like, all of them feel so outrageously out of control. And there's like every trigger that you could possibly imagine existing in the world is like triggered in this movie. Like there is like, I'm, I won't go all into it, but there's just like, it's very violent, very anxiety inducing, like just high octane stress from start to finish. And he does a good job at at it. It's not my thing though. And I, so when I say I really like kind of that druggy foggy feeling, I think it's a certain, (laughs) it's a certain type. It might not be, I'm, I'm an anxious person. So watching an incredibly like overstimulating, like very, very anxious, anxiety inducing, like screaming violent movie just isn't enjoyable for me. So I think um, there's a certain type that I like, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) See, I'm sort of, I think our shared, our common ground here is Mandy. But see, I I normally, I stay away from very druggy feeling Mm -hmm. movies. Uh, Anything that feels like that kind of fogginess is not usually my thing. Um, But Mandy is definitely a uh, lone wolf in that. And I'd like to think it's, if Nicolas Cage hadn't been in it, I'm not sure if I would have liked it, but goddamn Nicolas Cage. That's true. Nick Cage really like. He he will make a movie (laughs) instantly. (laughs) No one else Uh, could have done that. I I talked about this in our, our article about holiday horrors, but, uh, you could either look at it as Lin Shay is the Nicolas Cage of horror or Nicolas Cage is the Lin Shay of anything he does, <laughs> including horror. Like, yeah, I mean, we all, you know, we all have a laugh about Nick Cage. <laughs> he's pretty. Nick Cage he's, is talk about iconic. Yeah, he is like something else. But the reason that he worked so well in Mandy was because the that movie and the writing and the director just like capitalized on the strengths that Nick Cage has, which is like, he is losing his shit. He's losing his mind in that movie and he's so good at it, but it needs to be put in the right context or else it's, it seems like ridiculous, you know? Exactly. But that movie was perfect for that. It was a perfect vehicle for that energy. It, it needed that energy. And I think only Nicolas Cage can really provide that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 
I still need to watch the Beyond the Black Rainbow by that same director. Um, that's see, that's one where it feels it looks kind of druggy, and there's no Nicolas Cage to uh, <laughs> to let <laughs> to off that steam yeah. for me. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I'm gonna watch it, but I can yeah. appreciate it from afar. I'm sure it's good, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta watch it. So, quick fun story: when I watched Mandy. Um, so for all you, all you listener out there, <laughs> um, we, <laughs> I have two cats and you'll probably hear about them a lot. Uh, Ralph and Penny and Stephanie has a cat. Stephanie. I do have a cat. Her name is Gumdrop and she is sleeping on my coat on my bed. Yes. Which is behind me. They're all perfect angel babies. And, um, Ralph is, I had, I didn't have Penny yet when I watched Mandy, but. Um, he had just gone in for dental surgery. He had to have some teeth taken out. And um, literally that day. And they gave him some antibiotics and like a painkiller that she said would make him really druggy. And um, she said the the vet was telling me he's going to be like your drunk friend. But um, so he's going to think that he can do things, but he can't do, he can't jump from that place to that place. Cause he's like drunk. So you're going to have to watch him, you know, is what she was saying to me. Um, so watching that movie while like my drunk cat was walking around the house, like fumbling around and being really lovey and drugged out was like a, another level of druggy that <laughs> Thank like, you, Ralph for this immersion. <laughs> yeah, it was really <laughs> weird. It was like, I just feel like I was sober as heck, you know, but I was like, I just, I feel high. Like I feel really high right now. Like my cat is fucked up. The, this movie's like fucked up. And I'm just like <laughs> sitting here <laughs> trying and not to, to get think, Am I the one who's fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> That's the power of Nick Cage. Okay. It is. Um, so yeah, that <laughs> was my very long answer for what subgenres am I into? Um, the the answer is Nicolas Cage and yeah. Shea. I'm into the subgenre <laughs> of those two, just those stars. So um, this is our last intro question here. I think it's a really good one, and it's a spicy one, guys. So buckle up for the spice. Um, what is an iconic horror movie beloved beloved by many that you actually hate, Stephanie? Uh, Halloween. By John Carpenter. Uh oh. I, I hate Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I I had no interest in it ever in my life. Uh so naturally I watched it like earlier this year or maybe last year, yeah. uh somewhat recently. And uh boy, is that movie boring. That is what I call a boring movie. <laughs> Under the subgenres that it could fall under, I'd I'd say it falls best under boring as shit. <laughs> I love listen. I love John Carpenter. I love the thing. Okay. I just hate his. I hate his Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. And it's it's if it was just something that you know wasn't so widely thought of as like this iconic amazing movie would be one thing yeah mm -hmm. but the fact that it is considered iconic uh is uh deeply frustrating but you know that's 
that's just me. That's just my opinion. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm right. not a fan of how, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just right. I mean, I am literally correct about everything. So yes, you heard it here first. You did. Halloween is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have strong opinions. <laughs> I don't miss my word. We're going to get shit on. Um, but I get it though. <laughs> Cause I, I see it as like a, a, a classic that I don't, I, I recognize it as a classic, but I don't really I do not. care about it that much. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> I was- recognize that it, it, it is important and that it had important, um, uh, an important legacy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's a bad movie. Yeah. But that's, that's fair. Again, that's me, but also it's fact. So <laughs> correct. That's my opinion, but I'm right. Um, I, oh, that's a really iconic one. Mine, I don't think is as iconic, but I truly <laughs> don't like, and everyone fucking likes this movie and I do not like it. The conjuring bad like the conjuring is also dog shit thank you <laughs> it's bad james wan is my nemesis i, I do not enjoy james wan i saw that in theaters when it came out right like back when so did i theaters were something we could all go to and enjoy um <clears throat> i saw it in theaters and i remember everyone having this like universal positive um feeling about it and they were like that was the scariest movie i've ever seen oh my god you know it was like i about pooped myself and everybody was freaking out and i was like i don't like it like it was a it wasn't good it was cheesy like the cheesy relationship between the two um psychics is bad Uh, like they're cheesy in love but it's like over cheese you know what i mean like the writing i didn't think was all that good the dialogue was kind of i don't know and it wasn't that scary there wasn't really like are you is are you talking about the warrens was this the introduction of the warrens yes the warrens yes thank you and um it was just kind of like the same old stuff like there's literally nothing original about it and i think that was one of it it's uh supposed um strong suits was how original it was or, or how it yeah. felt like a return to yeah. the classic uh, horror movie of old. <laughs> and I, uh, Just not into it. it yeah. It, not interesting. Not interested in it. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of boring. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't interested. And then um, the conjuring two came out and that was even worse. That was set in the UK and, um, not that that matters, but it went from America to the UK and um, the Warrens went over there to help, you know, <clears throat> you know, exercise a ghost. And the best part of that movie was when the guy, the husband, Mr. Warren, I can't remember his name. It seems like that, that actor's Ed. name is Patrick. Oh yeah. Ed is his oh. name in the movie. Oh man. Patrick I something. Actor. I love him too. Okay. That's the, okay. He's the guy I always want to call Patrick Stewart, but it's obviously (laughs) not Patrick Stewart. I always say, Hey, 
you know Patrick Stewart, right? And <laughs> I, I'm almost never. I almost. I do talk Patrick about Patrick Bate. Stewart. I almost called him Patrick Bateman, but that's the bad guy from American Psycho. Um, there's a there's a scene in it where he walks into the haunted house, and he's it's like he's in this little girl's room. Um, and he walks into the haunted house for like the first time and he walks over to the guitar or I'm sorry, just ruined it. He walks into it, into the room. There's a guitar sitting like perched up in the corner and this house has been like abandoned for a long time or, or something like none of the furniture has been touched. There's like cobwebs everywhere. You know, it's clear no one's been in here. So this guitar has been sitting there for a while. And he's like, he walks right over to it. And it's so unnatural and awkward. And it's like those scenes from cowboy movies where they're like, all right, everybody, like, let's sit down by the fire. And like, sing your little song. He walks over to it. And he's like, oh, is this a guitar? And he just puts it on his lap and he starts singing. And I'm like, it's perfectly tuned. It's been sitting in this freaking house for like 15 years and it's just tuned and ready to go. It's, and now it's he's perfectly gonna... tuned when Patrick Wilson Thank we go, you. <laughs> uh, is in the house. Thank you. <laughs> it tunes itself. Yeah. God damn, dude. I was like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the appeal. So the conjuring gets a big from me. Um, Big old thumbs down. <clears throat> Halloween gets a big poop <laughs> from Stephanie. <laughs> and that's Even what we have to say about that. Down. I yeah. have to bring in my friends to give to have them do a thumbs down because that's how many thumbs, that's down, many thumbs down I give Halloween. Yeah. All right. So that is the end of our introductions. Um now we're gonna move into the I don't know. The, the feature of our of our show today uh, what we're talking about is holiday horror so christmas themed holiday themed just general end of the year themed uh horror movies and horror that just happens to be during christmas yeah as as, as a common yes. theme during uh the ones i'm going to talk about correct yes <laughs> like and- well it, it happens in december so <clears throat> right I think that counts. Yeah. So, um, so what we did was we we actually wrote an article uh, about um, holiday horror up on our website, which is thespookytown.com. Um, just getting that plug in there. But if you go there, you can read the whole article. We've got a lot more um, movies up there uh, for you to check out. We're just going to talk about a few of them here, um, just to give you a taste. You know, so. Holiday horror. It's um, horror movies, like Stephanie said, set in or around the holiday season. And um, or the month of December. And or the month of December. Um, let's see. Which, which one should we talk about first, Steph? We've got four of them here. Oh, I can go into... See. I can go into the first one. I can go into Black Christmas. Sure. Okay. You've seen the original and I've seen the the newest one, mm. uh, 2019. We both saw the God, what, 2006 one very briefly in theaters. <laughs> yeah, it was apparently too violent for our mother who took us out of the theater, even though I was, what, 15 the credits, at the time? The credits like came up, the curtains came up, 
the credits started rolling and then there was like a violent murder like during the credits i think and our mom took us out of the theater and we that left apparently was too much a standard that to this day i cannot figure out of <laughs> uh, where the bar is on what is too much considering uh i watched poltergeist in full when i was seven years old and uh that's true oh yeah i had a I few nightmares that. after that one but uh black, black christmas, christmas when i'm 15 <laughs> that's too much <laughs> That's, that's so, where we draw the line. If if no one knows about Black Christmas, so I'll, I'll go. I'll go into the the original is the one that I I recommend um, in our article, and then here I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, it's credited as being kind of one of the first slasher movies, so it was pretty original for its time. Um, there hadn't been too much in the way of similar horror movies up until that point, it was made in 1974 just for reference. Um, and it was inspired by some murders that had taken place, um, along the, uh, it was, it was this one specific like killing spree that it was inspired by, um, where, uh, a 14 year old, I think had, had committed a bunch of heinous murders, um, and it was inspired by that. And it was originally written as like a pretty, pretty strict slasher movie. And when the, um, it was directed by Bob Clark and it was written by a Roy Moore. And when they saw the script, um, they really, they liked it, but they had it. <laughs> I don't know if they liked it, but they had it basically rewritten to be, um, they said it was just it wasn't very realistic and they wanted it to um, they wanted the characters in the movie to be college students who acted like actual people. Um, they didn't think that college students were being shown very accurately in movies and the media. Like they were always, um, there's a quote here that um, more the, the writer said, he said, college students, even in 1974 are astute people. They're not fools. It's not all bikinis, beach blankets, and bingo. <laughs> a lot of bees in the seventies, but um, I, I can confirm having been to, to college, it is not in fact all bikinis, beach blankets, and bingo. There is a lot of bingo though. I will say there that. is actually, yeah, I'll take that back. There's a lot of bingo in college. Yeah. Um, and a fair amount of bikini bingo at that. Um, well, you went to college uh, in Southern <laughs> California. I went to college on the East coast. That's true. So, that's true. And this this movie is set in Canada. So um, at the University of Toronto is where they filmed it. Uh, so not a lot of bikinis there during the holiday season. But um, basically, they wanted to make the movie into something that um, feels like it was set in the real world. They wanted the characters to be actual real, you know, to seem very real um, with complex emotions and things like that. So the film is set in um, a sorority house and um, the girls at the sorority house start getting these, you know, kind of obscene phone calls um, that they just kind of brush off as sexual harassment um, until they notice people start going missing and they're not able to locate their friends um, and uh, just kind of snowballs from there. 
Um, that's a very nice um, holiday. I did not have that written down. Winter in my notes. joke. That was impromptu. Um, but it's a really good movie because um, it deals with a lot of the women's liberation. Um, I don't know if I want to say talking points, but basically the things that people were talking about at the time. Um, for instance, the, the, you know, the main characters will go to the police and tell them that, you know, their friends are missing and the police brush them off and say like, oh, your friends are probably just, you know, with their boyfriends. And um, they just basically are getting kind of the brush off from the police. Um, of course, there's the, you know, acceptance of sexual harassment that is just kind of standard for women to experience that happens in the movie. And it obviously causes the girls stress, but they're just like, well, it's, you know, it's just the way of things. It's not that big of a deal. So they brush it off that way. Um, there's also uh, the main character, Jess, um, played by Olivia Holsey. Yes. Holsey. Yep. Said that right. Um, Olivia Holsey, who, um, She's great in it. She was the star of Romeo and Juliet from the 1970s. If you had to watch that movie oh, in high school, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's the star and she, there's a great moment where she has a, she's having a conversation with her boyfriend. Um, he's a musician going to the university and he says, um, she finds out that she's pregnant and he's very excited about it. And he's like, great, like you can, you know, drop out and start a family with me. And she says like, no, that's not what I want. Like I, I want to do, like, I, I have a life that I want to live that doesn't involve a child right now. And I don't want to get married to you. Um, and that's a very like, that was a spicy topic, you know, and it still is, but it's, it was particularly spicy in the seventies, a woman saying that, no, I'm going to abort this child and I don't want to get married for a while. Like I want to do other things with my life. It was pretty, um, pretty big deal. So it's, it's an amazing movie. It's got, um, it's got a lot of new stuff that, like I said, that hadn't been seen yet at the time. It deals with a lot of, yeah. um, issues that sort are still relevant to today. One of the, you know, maybe a, among the first of its kind to sort yeah. of, especially like you said about abortion. Um, I mean, especially in the seventies, that was an obscene topic instead yes. of now where if you mention it, maybe it'll be divisive for some people. Um, but it's, it's nothing like it was then, you know? Um, so for that to be directly discussed in a movie at the time, I mean, that was probably horrifying to some, some very uptight people or some yeah. people just very traditional religious set in their ways. And it, it was almost like blasphemy. Yeah. Well, it is like blasphemy, I guess, to some people still, but at the time, I mean, I'm sure it was more akin to like a, a swear word, really. Abortion is the big bad word. Now, a lot less so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think probably Black Christmas, we have partially to thank for it, um, introducing it into movies. Yeah. Being an okay decision. 
Right. And like, I think it was really, um, it was kind of the first of its, one of the first of its kind in like making a horror movie that was incredibly like political and dealing with hard to talk about subjects um, in a way that was really interesting and like terrifying, like all of these things, including the horror, the scary thing that's, that's in the attic, that's killing all of them. Um, the whole outside world is kind of pinned against them too. So they can't really find help anywhere they go. Right. Like they're not even safe in their own home uh, where they live. Like they try, you know, to get help from other people. They don't get it there. There's, you know, things happening um, uh, all around them. And they're, you know, even in their interpersonal relationships, like people are trying to harm them and they don't understand them. And um, so it has a lot more to say than, just someone's going around killing all of these women. Right. So deals with femicide and all that stuff. So absolutely recommend the original black Christmas. Love that one. Really good. Um, and I, it was actually speaking of uh, Stephanie's favorite movie, John Carpenter actually said that uh, that movie influenced Halloween. Um, he, I yeah, know that's gonna make me hate it. <laughs> but he he said it actually uh it influenced him to make uh Halloween. I yeah, he was into it. Um so, but we uh, I I like Black I have, a lot better than I, I have like complicated Halloween. feelings about it now. <laughs> I know, I knew you would. Um yeah, and I I actually uh went to a um I don't know what you would call it, like a lecture class called uh, What the Femme, Feminism and Holiday Horror that was hosted by SIF. Um, and Adrienne Clark, she's got some, um, she's a writer and um, you should absolutely look her up. She talks a lot about horror um, related topics. She's got a podcast as well. She hosted it and um, she really took a really interesting deep dive into Black Christmas and um, the women's liberation movement of the time. So definitely check her out. Um, but that's enough about black Christmas. Go watch it. It's on, it's actually on YouTube for free, but it's also on Amazon. Um, so maybe that maybe YouTube will have taken it down by the time you listen to this, but I don't know. <laughs> Should be able to go Come check on, it YouTube. out. Be a pal. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that, I'll hand it off to Steph to talk about one of her picks. All right. So one of my my favorites and one I recently rewatched uh, was I Trapped the Devil, uh, director and writer Josh Lobo at the helm of this. Uh, I think this was one of his first movies and I'm very excited for what he does next because this is I love this movie. Um, this is a nice little indie production where. The, the three stars, which are Scott Poitras, uh, A.J. Bowen, and Susan Burke. Uh, Susan Burke, who I love, and you can also see in Southbound. Uh, she is in one of the, the segments of that. It's a horror anthology. She's amazing. Love you, Susan. Uh, but all three of them are producers of I Trapped the Devil. And that's, that's something already that's a good sign for me, because I know... You know, not not every actor has the means to be a producer in an indie horror because a lot of the time, in indie horror, 
sometimes that's their first movie that they're doing. They don't, you know, they don't really have the means to do that. But for all three of these actors, they're fairly well seasoned. Um, I've seen a lot more of AJ Bowen. He's a he's big on the indie horror scene on smaller productions. Uh, so when when the three stars are producing it, that that makes me think they're, I mean, they are literally invested in it, but also they really believe in the story, and they 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 know that it will succeed, and I that's just that's a good sign for me. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, starting from the credits, I knew that I was gonna like I Trapped the Devil. Um. And we also have Ben Lovett at the helm of the music. The score is amazing. And just everything is good. So if you haven't seen it, um, basically what it's about is Susan Burke and A.J. Bowen play Matt and Karen. They're a married couple. Steve is Matt's uh, brother who has somewhat recently, I think probably it was like about two years ago in the movie, he he lost his wife and daughter in a car accident um that was just that it was purely accidental it wasn't drunk driving it wasn't anything like that it was just a random accident uh but it it happened around christmas and ever since then he has not put away the christmas decorations around his house which is also the the brother's childhood home uh and so all of the the christmas decorations the entire house is covered in the thick layer of dust there's cobwebs all over the tree the tree looks part it. the the tree looks you know pretty at first but then they you get a closer look at it and it's actually covered in cobwebs yeah i, I think that's a really actually kind of a great example of what the movie uh, a big the mood of the movie i'd say yeah like things look stuck. sort of pretty on the outside but you get closer and it's covered in like sort of a filth yeah and black and it's due just to, yeah a lot of grief and yeah like it's it's overwhelming (laughs) yeah it's like someone um being stuck in a particular yeah time and that's uh steve uh, scott poitras who you know he's ever since he lost his family i mean he's really gone down the rabbit hole (laughs) um he's gotten into some conspiracy theories which is pretty much leading us into the main plot of the movie where he believes that, uh, well, one, the devil exists and is responsible for the evils of the world, either directly or indirectly. And that he has, as the title might suggest, he's trapped the devil in his basement. Uh, (laughs) And that's why I don't do laundry because um I am convinced there's something spooky scary in my basement um where my laundry trap the devil in the basement I think it floats around I think it visits um so I don't okay I don't do the the laundry in there anymore because it's too spooky that's gonna be my excuse from now on is that the the, oh sorry Satan's in there I can't do it you're gonna have to do it (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) oh I'm sorry I think Satan is in there. It's called being environmental, okay? Thinking about the environment. Right, exactly. (laughs) And also (laughs) uh, the fact that Satan's down there. Um, But so when when they arrive, uh, things are extremely tense. Uh, It's obvious that the brother, that Steve is distracted and he was not expecting them. And he's like, you know, you guys can't stay here. Uh, And... 
they are just worried about him because Matt uh, has not really checked in on Steve over the past couple years because they have already, I think, sort of a strained relationship. And then this guilt of not helping him through this grieving process really put an even bigger strain. So he just shows up out of the blue. And it just so happens to be when Steve has trapped the devil or something like it, potentially, in his basement. And they sort of have to deal with that as it unfolds. And, you know, I think another common theme that I'm really big on besides familial tension is just dread. Just dread absolutely making the air thick, but then also cutting through at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's filled with grief. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, It's so rich for exploration. Atmosphere, um, yeah, atmosphere is like it's not an easy thing to establish. To yeah, it's yeah. like you know, it's a it's sense. hard to make it believable. Yeah, it's a sense, it's a feeling, and that I trap the devil does an amazing job at building an atmosphere inside this house that is so incredibly tense and just like Stephanie said, like you can just the dread is everywhere. Everything is uncomfortable. Everything. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere you look, it's obvious that that this this house looks like how he feels. <laughs> yeah, and it's stuck and filthy, and so it's just awful. Yeah, and and yeah. the um the basement is of course terrifying too, and the door and the light in there is just like makes it even heavier, you know. Yeah, and I think. Not to spoil the ending, but you can make of it what you will, um, whether or not you're disappointed or it's what you wanted. But uh, I think an an interesting scene in the movie, um, not to give too much away, but so Steve has this giant makeshift cross that he just he's sort of nailed two pieces of wood together and hung it over the door as a sort of protection against i think it's it sort of deafens the uh the devil and it makes it so he can't really communicate outside like it's keeping him in so when he takes it off that's when you know the devil or the person uh behind the door actually talks uh but there is a scene closer to the end where steve goes down by himself and he takes the cross off and he talks to the devil and he says, uh, how does it feel being hopeless? Hmm. Uh, but the devil never answers or, you know, I I'm saying the devil's sort of a stand in, uh, just the person on the other side that whoever is on the other side never answers him. Hmm. And I think it's interesting that, uh, the person on the other side talks to AJ Bowen. It talks to Susan Burke. It never addresses Scott Poitras ever mm-hmm. so it's it sort of it throws you into this you know kind of never-ending question of is it real is who is it what is it yeah why doesn't it talk to steve uh, he's the one who you know mm-hmm. took he caught him who trapped him there potentially kidnapped him um, and it's just, it's an interesting choice. I think that Josh Lobo made where he doesn't address Steve, but that is really interesting. The other I didn't two. Think about it yeah. Like that. Yeah. So 
I think it really makes you question what <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. Um, which I'm very into. I oh, love, yeah. yeah. Love some unreality that, there. The movies that make you kind of wonder. Is what, you're, the is what they're presenting real? Yeah. Who's yeah. the reliable narrator here? And you don't really know. I, unreliable narrators. Love it. Yes. Very love it. it. Um, yeah. I loved that movie and like i said we won't go into how it ends or try to give away too many spoilers but um i what i really liked about it was like what stephanie was saying was how it takes this idea of of grief and um this guilt that the other brother carries around with him for not helping his brother who lost who had a big loss um, in his time of need, you know, and mm -hmm. it kind of takes that idea and, um, you know, wraps it up and puts it in the basement <laughs> as yeah, something that Steve... a physical talking thing in the basement. Yeah. 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 You like could as... look, yeah. Yes. You yeah. Look at it that way. Absolutely. As something that Steve can, like Steve, the, the star who, uh, who, um, is grieving has, um, you know, suffered this major life event that has left him kind of stuck in time. And now he's um, taking it and putting it behind a door that he can control when he talks to it and when he doesn't. And um, he can deal with it in his own terms. So I loved that metaphor. And I thought it was actually really new the way that they did it felt really new. And like, I hadn't seen a movie like that before. Yeah. Or, is it just the devil? Yeah, or is, <laughs> no, it, just Satan? Yeah. Or is it just the devil? <laughs> yeah, we'll let you decide. Yeah. Absolutely, could be a that complex one. metaphor. Could <laughs> just be Satan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the the magic of Josh Lobo. <laughs> exactly. That was yeah. Love that movie. Really, really good. It was a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. Um. All right, should we move on to the next one? Uh, we've got a couple Let's more movies do. here. Um, so my last movie that I have on here from, from our list of recommended holiday horror movies is Krampus from 2015. Um, and if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, um, I'll give a little bit of an overview. Krampus is, uh, he is a demon that it's, I mean, he's from uh, Central Central European folklore. He's a demon who's um, half, well, he's half demon, half goat. Um, and well, sort of half goat, half man, depending yeah. on the depiction. Because he has, he has pretty old roots that are, uh, he has some pretty Christian roots. Yeah. Um, but the way, as with everything that happened... <laughs> When Christianity arrived in town, it sort of changed it to fit the narrative. Yeah, um, and it aligned so Krampus it, with Christmas. And yeah, uh, but he's generally depicted in some form. There's a at least a goat-like, you know, something about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's kind of a hybrid of things, but he's a he's a demon who um, he comes to punish and take things away um before saint nicholas 
arrives. Um, that's kind of his thing. In this movie, it's translated. He kind of is translated into um, a character that he arrives when the spirit of Christmas is gone. Um, and in the in the movie, um, it follows a family starring Tony Collette, who is our queen, and you'll hear about a lot on the on the podcast. We absolutely love Tony Collette. Um, and she is the the mother of um, Max, who is I think he's supposed to be about eight years old or so in, in the movie. Um, that, that sounds right. Children all have the same age. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I he don't could know. be fifteen. He could be five. But I have um, no idea. <laughs> Max is is kind of um, he's coming to the age where he's starting to really understand the um, like the cynicism and the um, he sees the. Uh, the tension between his family and it's really starting to make him cynical and things like that. So um, he kind of has a snapping point when um, they have some extended family come to visit at Christmas where he's just like, that's it. I'm done. I don't believe in this anymore. I'm I'm over it. And um, it's at that point that Krampus, this ancient holiday spirit is summoned. Um, And the the kind of the character that kind of guides you through what the folklore actually is is uh, Max's grandma, Adam Scott, is the dad, and it's supposed to be his mother. From um, she's an Austrian actress. I don't know where the character is actually supposed to be from, but she's she's Austrian herself. Um, and so she tells the story of Krampus. She had an encounter with him when she was a little girl, and um, now she's you know she can kind of sense him coming. And so there's some dread in her face that kind of makes you really kind of amps up the fear. Um, And so the movie just follows this family um, basically dealing with this outside demonic force that's um, now kind of weighing on them in the holiday season. And it's coming to, you know, attack and destroy and take. Um, And that's kind of, that's like a very broad overview. Uh, the movie is, we love, both me and Stephanie love the movie. It got some kind of mixed reviews, um, which I don't understand. <laughs> people don't like to have fun. Yeah, those people are, are stupid. I'm just kidding. Um, no, you're all very smart. Um, but the critics are not. So <laughs> it's got like a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes and um i don't quite understand that's, that's that. about where i want my horror movies though that that tells me that it has enough uh <laughs> enough love to boost it but then it also tells me that it has just the right amount of hate yeah to try to bring it down but it won't let it i, I love that because that tells me someone very stupid <laughs> who doesn't love horror got mad well, and, and it tells they brought it down not- it tells me it's not an Oscar, like it's not a drama. <laughs> like it's not a drama. <laughs> it's <yeah>. not. <laughs> Horror movies don't typically do well um, with the critics folks. I don't know if you, y'all know that, but that's, that's kind of what ends up happening. Um, there's very few horror movies that do well critically. I feel like. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's not a, because they'll they'll come out and they'll get mixed reviews, but then they gain an audience because there's actually a huge 
base of horror fans that love the movie and then they call it a cult classic so then it becomes kind of like untouchable but when they first come out i feel like they're always it's always a very mixed bag um and krampus was one of them but i love it i love the um the practical effects are amazing um they were done by the same company that did um it's called I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Weta, Weta Workshop. Weta Workshop. Um, they did the creature effects, and there are some outstanding creature effects. I'm, we're huge fans of practical effects, and Krampus's evil toys are just, like, they're amazing. Um, and I would love to see them in person someday. Sometimes I think they show up at conferences, and, like, I would love to see them in person. Um, but the they... Elves? Uh, the practical effects, like the toys, um, like the the Jack in the Box. The Jack in the Box shows up at conferences? I've seen pictures of it at conferences. It could be just someone like creating. The big, the big version of yeah, it, like I'm the guessing? Big version. Mm-hmm. I would love to have that job. Right? <laughs> How do I apply yeah. to be the monster version of the Jack in the Box? Right? Crawl like the around at a conference. Itself. Yeah, I I don't know. That's the thing is I could just be speaking out of my ass. I don't know if it's the real Jack in the Box. I thought it was like, um, but I don't know. It could be just maybe someone created one that looked exactly like it. But uh, that would be great. I would love to see that in person. I but mean, they... I'll, I'll cosplay. That's fine. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. need the original. I'll just <laughs> right? go. How about I just go around to like normal places like the store mm-hmm. and I'm just, that's, that's, that's really it. all I want to do in Sounds my life, great. but that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> well, it looks like a two man, two, I'm sorry, two woman person. costume. So <laughs> person. <laughs> two person costume. So Steph, do you want to be the butt or the head? <laughs> Which, I would you? prefer <laughs> to be the butt. No, I would love to be the head. <laughs> But, you know, that's me. Um, but Great. I think it's settled. I'll be really good at that. It's settled. You'll be the butt. Okay. Uh, Thank you. I'll just edit that to make it sound like you agreed 100% to be the butt. Um, but they did, they did amazing work. They also did all the practical, not all of them, but they did a majority of the practical effects, I guess, for Lord of the Rings. So um, they have yeah, what is great. been around. Um, yeah, and you know, look into the folklore around Krampus. You'll appreciate the movie all the more if you're not um, if you're not uh, I don't know read up on it. Go into it. It's got some pretty pretty amazing um, stuff. The actual story around it is, of course, fascinating. So I think Steph Steph wrote down some factoids here. You want to talk yeah, through some I, of them? I- I got some fast fun facts yeah, from here we go. Uh, my my boyfriend, Spit him out. Uh, who is he absolutely loves the Krampus, and that's pretty much how I learned that the Krampus was a thing. And when the movie came out in 2015, we saw it in theaters, and he wore his Krampus sweater, mm-hmm. and he was very excited, very nervous that they weren't going to do it very well, that the Krampus was, you know not going to look very good it wasn't going to be true to not sort of the the vision um he the character in folklore does you know 
like I said, change in appearance depending on who's which country, which culture is talking about it, because it does span a lot of Central Europe mm-hmm. and even Northwestern Europe. Um, but he was he was worried that, you know, it was going to do one of those versions not very well, or at least a version he wanted it to be. And then <laughs> there's the moment in the movie where uh, the the Max's sister is actually, she's trying to walk to her boyfriend's house in a snowstorm. And the Krampus arrives and he, he just arrival. slams down on this rooftop yeah. and chases her. By, he, he jumps across the rooftops and it's just, that was, it was such a great moment in theaters. Yeah. I felt my boyfriend just like, yes. You know how <laughs> so good. there's just some like reveals, like when they reveal the big bad or whatever form it is, you know, that Iconic are just like that was an epic Krampus has a really epic, um, big bad reveal. And it happens pretty, pretty quickly. Like, um, maybe 30 minutes into the movie, you see him, they don't show all of him, you know, they keep it still a little bit mysterious, but, um, that was you like, know it's, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I hulking figure. Yes. And I, I made like an audible, like, Yes, sound <laughs> when that happened i saw it with a friend who was wearing a krampus sweater too and now i kind of want a krampus sweater but um i remember yeah that moment we were both like we both like grabbed each other's hands and we we're like this is amazing i think we did too <laughs> really <laughs> it was so krampus Good. is just Good. it's a lot of fun um it feels like it's being made by someone who also loves the Krampus and who did their research on all like, you know, the, the arrival of Krampus. What does it sound like? It sounds like he often is depicted as having like rattling chains um, or bells. Uh, there's a big theme with uh, bells in the movie. Um, you know, he has these absolutely enormous horns. He's, in the movie, he's wearing a mask of St. Nicholas, so you can't really see his face, which I think is actually kind of a great, uh, a pretty smart decision, because I think maybe it would have been a little bit goofy if you had just seen the goat's face. Yeah. So I'm stupid, and I didn't realize that that was supposed to be a mask of St. Nicholas, yeah. and that is awesome. <laughs> not, yeah. not until this moment did, yeah. did I realize a- that. There's a part where they zoom in on his eyes uh, towards the end, and you can see it's like goat eyes, but you can cu- you can uh, tell it's like this mask, uh, and because his face the face never changes, it never moves. Yeah, it just looks like this twisted mask of Saint Nicholas. Wow, and so it's a really cool choice that they that have. is that is that's pretty smart, and I feel pretty stupid yeah. for not knowing that. But that is oh, that's okay, and it's funny because that was one of my one things. I was like, his face is really stiff; like he doesn't move ever. <laughs> Just stupid because it's what so a mask is. That way. <laughs> so dumb. Um, no, that's great. It's like like we said, it's it's a super fascinating like evil demon it's like a it's a it's got a it's, really it's, uh, history like a, around it he he's sort of a just like a, a dark figure yeah um, a, sometimes attached but not necessarily attached to saint nicholas and not necessarily attached to christmas either right um he 
also, I mean, he he appears on Krampusnacht, which is December 5th of every year. Uh, and the Feast of St. Nicholas is on December 6th. And by the time the feast rolls around, the naughty children have either been beaten, uh, <laughs> potentially scolded, and in some cases dragged to hell. <laughs> I, depending on the, the severity of their misdeeds. I just the <laughs> the stories that they used to tell kids is just it's it's beautiful. It's it's amazing. just uh it's just sheer horror. Like no, if you don't eat your your peas, I don't that's not a thing. I don't think that kids in central Europe had to worry about. But it <laughs> If you don't eat your peas, like, no, your hand is, like, going to get chopped off. Like, you know, that's, it's just so violent. Like, all of their, all of I the... do love the unrelenting, uh, violent stories they would yeah. tell children in order for them to behave. It just makes you realize that, like, throughout history, kids have just been awful. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> that's like, the real story of the Krampus, point, is that like... children are awful the no. fact that some dude or person when i say dude i okay the fact that some person just invented a you know a a demon goat to get kids to not fuck around for the other 11 months of the year you know is like so amazing to me because it just shows how frustrating kids have been forever and that's the end of that's potentially how he was created yeah that's no. the theory. Um, anyways, um, that's Krampus. We highly recommend it. It's one of our favorite movies. It's super fun, super, um, like, genuinely scary, like, very interesting. Um, like, all of his, like, sidekicks are very, like, just very unique artistically and very, very fun. So absolutely recommend Krampus for the holiday the, uh... season kind of google image krampus 2015 jack in the box and you'll see how much fun ashley and i crawling around a convention <laughs> the costume would be i recommend it it would it would um all right so we're gonna end on we've got one more um movie and it's appropriately called dead end yes and it is the last movie on our list um and Stephanie, take it away. So Dead End uh, came out in the just beautiful year of 2003. Golden a year. A really great say. time for everyone. It was a golden year of culture, of art, of my personal life. I was 12, so <laughs> it was a good year. Um, <laughs> directed by Jean-Baptiste Andrea. Uh Really, the only French director you're going to see me <laughs> recommend. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm not going to mince my words about France. <laughs> it is uh, starring about France. I, I think. Got, I've have some opinions on France, just like I have opinions on uh, James Bond. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, it is starring my absolute favorite, Lin Shay, who. Again, would kill or die for Lynche, okay? Yeah. And then also, we have just the wonderful gift of her being accompanied by Ray Wise, who is also a gift to us all. Yeah. It is 
it is just a perfect duo. If you don't know Ray Wise, you got to get on your stuff and definitely get on that Ray Wise train. If you don't know Ray Wise and you haven't seen Twin Peaks and you're probably not a good person. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I know Ray Wise, but I haven't seen Twin Peaks. Uh How am I doing? (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. Also, uh, I know you're in the middle of introducing this movie, but um, I just watched it today for the first time in a few years. I forgot how good this movie is. This movie is like really good. And I forgot. How, is, yeah. I forgot how good it was. Like I, I remember seeing it a while ago and, and thinking that was good, but I, I have so much more appreciation for it now, but I'll let you talk about what it is. So, it's starring, uh, well, like I said, Ray Wise, Lynn Shea. They're a married couple, Frank Harrington and Laura Harrington. And they're, it's currently, I think it's supposed to be Christmas Eve or potentially Christmas. Um, they're driving to some families, I believe it's Ray Wise's in-laws, uh, with their daughter, Marion, their son, Richard, and then Marion's boyfriend, who's Brad. Uh, they're all driving the families and they've been making this drive every year for like 20 some odd years. Uh, they always go the same way. It's just the same old thing. However, to open this movie, Ray wise just suddenly decides to take a back road in a shortcut, supposedly. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it ends up not being a shortcut or else we wouldn't have this movie. (laughs) It's, Things sort of just go immediately off the rails in Dead End. And I, boy, do I love a good movie. Do I love a movie that goes off the rails basically immediately? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's basically the all uh, the, almost the entirety of this movie takes place in the car driving. Yeah. And you know you have something good when you can make something like that a setting like that so interesting and full of just so much tension and just yeah there's not a lot like in in this movie there's not a ton of of like effects or outside like the like stephanie said there's really just the car and the road and it, it it's the kind of movie that has to rely on its writing it has to rely on its actors yeah and uh, you know, there's some touch and go moments with uh, some of the, the kids in the back, but I mean, you have Ray Wise and Lin Shay, like not much can go wrong. Yeah. Like, if they, if the the kids go the wrong way, they get us right back on course. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, so basically, yeah, they end up going on this, you know, supposed shortcut. Things are already extraordinarily tense with this family. The Harringtons are not doing particularly well. Uh, a lot of their sort of family baggage comes up through the tension that is already rising because everyone is very stressed out. Ray Wise accidentally falls asleep a little bit in the beginning and almost kills them. And that sort of sets off this snowball of just more tension and more tension and more tension. And it's just, it's fantastic. So, you know, after things just, things never start, never stop getting more and more intense, but it is interrupted by 
there's a strange woman in the woods that Ray Wise sees and they stop for her because she seems like she's not okay and things are not okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, it, just sort of this harbinger of death, this unknown person driving a hearse will drive by and it always, it, it takes a member of the family and you can see them in the back in the window pleading for help mm -hmm. to help get them out and some time will go by and then they'll come across the body of that person and uh they're very much not alive <laughs> very much like not uh, okay. body soup <laughs> yeah. been a, a puddle of gore. body soup that's it and it, it's driving all of them more and more crazy. And it's just, it's just this fantastic, never-ending mm -hmm. boiling pot of tension and skeletons yes. being dragged out of the closet. Yep. And, and the Lin Shay... more comes out and it's just like, you thought that it had reached a boiling point, but it just keeps going. <laughs> it just keeps going. It never stops. Yeah, all these like secrets that are decades old and stuff like that just keep coming out. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I, I quote in the article when Lin Shay has, she goes a little nuts towards the end, mm -hmm. um, pretty understandably, but there's a point where she, they're just trying to keep her calm because she's sort of not super lucid anymore. And she finds some food or she's eating pie with her hands. She's just sort of stuffing it in her face. And then she says, look. We've got potato chips. And she just whips out a bag of potato yeah. chips. There's some funny like, moments. They cut the tension with some humor for Dead sure. Dead End is full of a, so much manic humor and just this palpable tension. Yeah. Like I've said. And Lin Shay and Ray Wise are the primary actors who are bringing this energy. Because Ray Wise, he just looks annoyed. <laughs> Yeah, I look at Ray Wise and I'm like, man, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Are you about? It feels like you're about to yell at me. That's sort of the Ray Wise mm -hmm. face. Lin Shay looks like the sweetest woman, but also like she could rip your face off yes. with her hands. Yeah. <laughs> She's tiny, but ferocious. They're both, both of those actors are so, um, I don't know how to describe them like they're just they always seem like they're they're about to tip over the edge into something that's like yes. real big you know and and yeah. but they 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 just have this ability to be funny like it's funny but it's also very you know you're very tense and stressed and but in like the best way possible right so they're perfect for a movie like this because um there is humor and the whole movie is about the tension going on in the car and then them trying to deal with what's happening outside the car, which is like everything that they can't control. <laughs> and it's so, it's really good. It's, if you want to watch it, I mean, it's like, it's just a testament to how like you don't need much to make something really scary. You know, you just need, yeah. in fact, sometimes not always the case, but you don't even you don't need much at all and sometimes less is more with horror because it leaves more to the imagination not always the case like i said it's not a hard and fast role but um this movie is definitely one of those that you're like they didn't have very much but it's a really scary movie and it's for being almost 20 years old it has like really stood up why did you have to say it's almost 20 years old now i just feel <laughs> i didn't think about it that way years old <laughs> 
I don't like that. Now you all know how old Stephanie is. So. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, don't do the math. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's like Steph said, it's, um, it's supposed to be them driving somewhere on Christmas Eve, but it has almost absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. It has basically nothing to do with Christmas other than <laughs> it's, it, it, it's very representative, I think, of what a lot of people, a lot of families feel yeah. on Christmas or around the holidays, which is just, they're sort of like the common feeling of being forced together, of being forced mm. to be polite with people you don't even like, yeah. because they're going again to Ray Wise's in-laws. He hates his in-laws. And he tells that to Lin Shay. Yeah. He absolutely hates her mother. He hates everything. Yeah. And that all just comes spilling out. And like Ashley said, there's, even the effects in the movie, admittedly, are a little bit cheesy. Like, there aren't a lot of them. But when they happen, I think sometimes they can be just a little on the cheese side. It feels very 2003, I'd say. Mm -hmm. 2003 with very little money. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's at its strongest when it's just the actors playing off of each other. Yeah. Uh, but it, Yeah, it gets away with with the with that like lack of effects and like even the really spooky woman only has she has like a little cut on her forehead like it's it's very minimal she's not really that scary no she's and just sort of something to break you know to give the story another element yeah like it, yeah. she introduces that there's something not quite right going on um and it gets away with it because the movie doesn't like take itself super seriously. It doesn't feel like it does. Like um, the actors are just the actors and the writing and like the way that they play off of the resources they have is really solid. So it makes it a really good movie because they're able to build a world just by the way that they're talking to each other. I have to say, I, I would hope that it would be good even without Lynch and Ray wise but if it wasn't them, I honestly don't know if I would like it <laughs> nearly as yeah. much. But that's, again, that's just the magic of those two. Those yeah. two together is iconic. Anything with Lin Shay. Yeah. Absolutely love. She is the best part of every movie. Lin Shay is amazing. Yes. I just recently watched a movie she was in. It's called The Call. Uh, it also has Tobin Bell, who as you may know, played uh, Jigsaw in the Saw franchise. Mm, yeah. Boy, was that movie bad. It was, <laughs> it was bad. It wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> but she's in it. Uh, she's pretty much the main, the point of the whole story. She's not in it very much. But when she is in it, it makes that, that six or seven dollars that I spent on Amazon renting it Almost worth it. <laughs> Ooh, did you do the because theatrical release rental where it's like seven bucks? I did not. I did not. Oh. It was just six or seven dollars because oh. it, it's new. It's still it's new enough oh, to still yeah. be that expensive, but it's not like theatrical. Because I don't I don't know if it got a theatrical release. Right, right. <laughs> it's not that good. I don't think, yeah, and th that this is why we call Lynche the the Nick Cage of of horror. To bring it back to the beginning mm. of the podcast, um, because she's been in a lot and she's she always gives a really powerful performance, but it has to be like the right 
movie for her. You know what I mean? Like the movie itself might be Garbo garbage. Sorry. I just said Garbo. Um, but she's great and she's great at what she does and she's like incredibly talented, but the movies are always the best. And she's been in like a hundred films, right? She's been well over a hundred movies. Uh, even if the movie itself is terrible, like the call or, uh, my personal favorite, the midnight man. Oh yeah. I think I, I live texted you. We about. Might, we might, you did. We might have to do, um, an episode about, the worst like worst horror movies we've ever seen because that yeah, i'd say the midnight man ranks <laughs> in that um, yeah but she's in it for again just a little bit for some reason yeah they're like okay that's enough it's enough good scenes let's get back let's to get the back relief. to let's the get back film. to the terrible scenes <laughs> and terrible acting but when she's in it it's you forget that you're watching this awful movie and it's just this elation yeah that this wonderful actress is on screen and she is giving us her absolute all and that's what Nicolas Cage does as well yeah you get Nicolas Cage you get all of Nicolas Cage you get <laughs> Lynn Shay, she will throw all of herself into it mm-hmm. and there's nothing I love more even just a, a movie throwing itself all the way into itself <laughs> yeah that can make something go from eh kind of average too great i might not even need to like really the story but when it feels like it loves what it's doing yeah uh like lynn shay yeah. obviously loves what she's doing it elevates it you can and feel i that, i yeah. have at the if i don't love the movie i have at the very least respect for it yes agreed agreed with you on that one i don't i don't think it would have been the same at all without those two leading the yeah. like at the top of a ticket i think it would have been a much different experience much different yeah don't know (laughs) if i would have been talking about it today yeah (laughs) definitely go check out dead end um and those i can't talk those are four of the i don't remember i think it was like nine or ten that we have on the full list on our website of um holiday horror movies for you to check out uh they're good any time of year, um, but particularly right now, um, when it is the season, if I may. Um, so give them a watch. That was Krampus, Black Christmas, Dead End, and the I last Trapped the one. Devil. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Couldn't or as I like to call it, the notes fast as enough. I like to call it, I caught the devil um, <laughs> yeah. because I, I kept calling it that. Yeah, but I'm in the first Oopsies. first draft of my review for I Trap the Devil. That's all good, but yeah, the full list is up. We've got a lot of other really good ones on there. There's one really awful one, but I'll let you find out what that one is. It's at the very end of the article. No cheating. You have to read the whole thing before you get to it. Just don't scroll all the way down to the bottom. But there's a pretty bad Christmas movie on there that I don't I don't know if it's worth it. Um, you might just want to have it on <laughs> in the background while you do other it's things. It's called. It's called Await Further Instructions. No, no I'm that just is not I'm it. just joking. That's not it. Um, <laughs> we'll tell you about that inside joke later. Um, <laughs> right now, I think that's it for us. We've, we recorded our first episode of Spooky Town, the podcast. Um, go to thespookytown.com. The, 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 
in the address is very important because there is just a spookytown.com and that is not us. That is, I, I think it's a Halloween shop, but their website's dead. So if you go there on accident, don't You're worry. You're not going to get us. That's not us. Um, so check it out. And thanks for listening. Stephanie, you want to say anything to the, the people? <laughs> thanks, horror fans. Yeah, thanks, horror fans. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. Happy December. Happy New Year's. Yes. Be safe. Just stay in, watch horror movies. Don't do anything else. And that's it. <laughs>